0: Actually I need some advice because Ooh. this is something which has happened now, I would say, almost half a dozen times over the last couple of weeks.
1: I have been It's okay to like change your boxers halfway through the day, yeah.
0: Thanks. I, that was the second question. The first question is I have been on half a dozen occasions the last few weeks messaging people, either because, you know, just uh, happened to cross my timeline or or something's happened that made me think of them. And we've messaged back and forward, usually former colleagues, and it ends by saying Hey, let's do something. Let's go for a coffee. Let's go for a run. Oh. And guess what? It never, ever, ever happens. No, no, no. But right. But here's here's my question. <laughs> I actually I'm actually want to do that. You know, there was someone I oh. <laughs> who I uh, was chatting to last week, who I used to work with, who's into running. Right. I was like, hey, do you want to go a run sometime? And I'm totally up for that. Yeah. And he was like, yes. Yeah, he was like, yeah, sure. I suggested some days, and silence. Ugh. And then s- someone else who's got young kids. I was like, hey, if you want to, you know, burn their energy at a park for an hour, I will happily charge about like a lunatic for an hour. Yeah. uh,
1: uh, You know, just tell me when and where. Yeah. And again, no reply.
0: (laughs) Am I doing something wrong? I think
1: part of it could be because we're in the pandemic times uh, and people are struggling to schedule like the one or two people they're allowed to see per day for the next like month and stuff okay um maybe a part of it is that you've got to assume that 90 percent of let's make plans messages are just a nice way to say goodbye and they're not an actual (laughs) commitment this isn't my experience maybe i'm also making all the same mistakes as you and everybody else in the world when they say let's make plans to somebody the plans happen (laughs) um but I think it's a shame that you're not getting the ten percent of actual plans, and it could just be a lack of uh, follow up. Maybe you're not being direct enough. Maybe you're maybe you need to just send a, a, a little reminder and say, "Hey, sorry, I don't think you 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 you've you, you've you've picked a day here, right? Do we want to push back till next week? Something like that. Something polite-ish, but also a little bit." on the nose.
0: You're spot on in that the hey let's make plans is a very kind of informal way of saying, right, I'm gonna leave this chat where it is. Yeah. But also it is part of it, part of it, I think, is how regularly or how how often you had seen that person pre-pandemic. Because all of these people, or the majority of these people I haven't seen over the last year. Right. At all. Yeah. And even and even before that, you know, maybe the last time I saw them was actually in work. Yes. A, a previous journalism jobs. And, I've, yes. you know, you keep track on Instagram and Twitter and see what people are doing. And I know that some people have had kids and some people have signed a new book deal and all that kind of stuff. Ooh. And yeah, it would be nice to see them. But then, yeah, just <laughs> the conversation fizzles out. Maybe it's me, James. Maybe Ooh. it's just... Maybe it's just too much, uh, too much Colin.
1: I don't think it's too much Colin. Possibly you're just uh, you find it a little easier to transition somebody from work friend to friend friend in your brain after like you leave the okay. workplace or something. Whereas a lot of other people, it's just like work friend and then non-existent friend afterwards. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't say it's like you're not an appealing person <laughs> uh, <laughs> but some people might need more encouragement to realise that hey I'm not just like being professional here I'm not just keeping a professional uh, connection here in case we like yeah. r- are working in the same place again one day or we've got mutual opportunities and stuff yeah maybe they don't understand that you're not just trying to be business calling
0: uh, and that's the difference for me although I mentioned the, the running I did actually um, several years ago I have a date which was let's go for a run and i realized within i would say the first 20 seconds that the person who i was running with was absolutely not in the same level of fitness as i was right and so we you know politely kind of ran it ran alongside each other for maybe five minutes and at that point kind of sussed out nope this isn't gonna work <laughs> okay see you later i'm just gonna do some laps and i did some I did several laps <laughs> of the park <laughs> i had a great time and then just at the end caught him i was like hey how was your run he was just very sweaty and disgusting he said oh, wasn't that good I was like okay mine was great see you soon bye
1: <laughs> why didn't you just like be slow and
0: chat because well I figured out after a few minutes that he was it just wasn't
1: going to work him and, him and me so so you didn't find the chat interesting so you're like I'm just going to I'm just, just going to actually run yep. I'm just going to I'm actually going to do it <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's how it went Okay, I'm tracking now, I'm tracking it. I thought you were saying that like You couldn't abide by their speed <laughs> You had to get out of there
0: No, no, he was he was so unbelievably slow That, uh, and his chat was also terrible So I the decided The chat was
1: terrible and the running was I'm terrible I'm just
0: going to exercise instead Yeah,
1: that's fair <laughs> Oh man, anyway, how are you? Uh, I'm okay, I'm okay uh, I've got r- no real news Um it was a bit, another one of them copy paste weeks in, in oh, these great. times. I have, I have some news. Oh, okay. H- wait, how are you?
0: <laughs> I'm fine. I've got. I've. It's as I say. It's been a quieter week for for work, which is great. It means we <laughs> exactly. do the podcast a day earlier than we usually do, which is great. It's lovely. Um, it's lovely. So this week, or rather, if you cast your mind back to episode two four one, I mentioned that uh, I was right I was due to hear back about the. Smorgasbord board a Gallic job, which is absolutely unrelated to the actual burning Gallic. I was meant to be hearing about that job last week, right? And did and did not hear, right? And so was like, okay, they probably chose somebody else. Uh-huh. I'll message my contact and see if they've got any feedback
1: on my interview. Yes, an important thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I emailed her, and she said, "Hi, Colin. The decision is currently with the minister, and oh. we will hear. We will let you know in due course." Oh, so so two things. First of all, they actually haven't decided yet, so still my my role in in government could still be on the horizon. Yep. And point right. and point two, the decision is with the minister. Now I don't <laughs> know for sure, but I think that's John Swinney. Right. So so potentially whoever's in charge of born a Gaelic in terms of the Scottish government may well be John Swinney is deciding
1: my fate. How about that? Right, and is probably listening to the podcast. Absolutely, there's no chance. There's absolutely no chance. Yet. It's probably listening right now. <laughs> Hello, Swinny. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not quit yet. Well, and Gaelic, his name would be Ian. So, hi, Ian. Hello, Ian. So,
0: yeah, that's what's that's what's happening. I may have an update for you then next week. Yeah. As to whether or not we have to delete every previous episode ever. A running a running deletion. <laughs> We'll see. I wouldn't mind, to be fair. It would be less stressful. (laughs) It would. And it would also save me a lot of time having to listen through every single episode we've ever done to see what was worth keeping or, in most cases, worth chucking.
1: I'm hard voting for the rolling delete. Uh, Download the episodes, put them on a hard drive, rolling delete. You only get to listen to the past month of the podcast. (laughs) Okay. We'll see. To be continued. If, If I
0: get it, yeah, probably. If I don't long live Cecil parade anyway speaking of <laughs> yeah welcome to the show this is episode 242 reaching ever closer for that glorious big 250 and then the even more important
1: 251 thereafter <laughs> absolutely we're gonna have to mark that in that occasion in some way yeah i know like what what is the like gemstone for a 250th <laughs> It must be something incredibly valuable. I know wood
0: is like the first anniversary, so it depends how many anniversaries we're counting. Yeah, are we are doing it by how
1: many years we've done or are we just doing it <laughs> pretending that an episode is worth a whole year?
0: Yeah, okay, and asked we'll find queen.
1: out. She's like that old. She's, she's been married for 250 years at this point. That's true jay's a lizard
0: my name's colin and uh, he is james yeah also a reptilian and thank you very much for yeah, I'm, a, I'm a crimson kind thank you very much for listening to whatever the show now is but it's certainly scotland's longest running entertainment podcast yes uh your new favorite podcast yes. with the um, longest season
1: one in history yes. of, of entertainment podcasts absolutely we tell as few lies as we possibly can
0: and also, for anyone who is listening from the Scottish government, I was joking, the Queen's not actually a lizard.
1: I'm not Crimson. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, you'll have to, you can decide that one for yourself when you actually meet. Have you ever seen James? No. no. So, you don't actually know for sure. I've
1: never seen me in the same room as uh, Crimson Lizards.
0: If you want to get in touch with the show, maybe to tell us you're cancelling your Patreon subscription, it's at <laughs> Parade on Twitter. Or SeesawParade at gmail.com. And please do get in touch and let us know what you've been uh, either watching, which we'll get to later in the show. I've watched a couple of the Oscar-nominated films, so I'm uh, looking forward to, to sharing what I found with those. Right. But uh, you can do what Shanana did this past week on Twitter, who replied to the fact that we were skipping the WandaVision credits by saying, so wait, if you
1: didn't watch the credits, did you not see the post credit scenes? I'm so confused. I, like, do that thing where you scan... Across the like nav bar at the bottom <laughs> of a video and you check if anything looks like not credits, and then you click on that part. Uh, c- correct. So so I said
0: as much in a reply Saying there's a magnificent feature called the fast forward button. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, Shanana was uh, worried. She was relieved, sorry, and worried that I was missing the fun. Okay, that's good. Uh, Which is stupid since I'm the old person who would be more likely to miss the fun. So, reading into that, Shanana was patiently sitting through seven minutes of credits every episode to see if there was or was not a post credit scene.
1: That's like a
0: whole hour of your life
1: yeah. gone. This is what happens when film studios make TV shows, is they have as many credits as they would in a film. And, it, and it, I genuinely hope nobody is watching them all. It, it, it's, it's life wasted.
0: The thing is, if you were one of those people who was in the credits, you definitely would be watching to make sure that you could take the Insta story for when your
1: name appeared. Possibly. But would you watch every single episode? Do you reckon there's people in, like, production and in, like, set design or, or, or like a microphone operator who only appears in the credits in one episode or do you think they appear across the whole season because if they appear across the whole season you don't need to watch every single episode just in case that's the one that you like held the microphone for
0: well the thing is you didn't need to watch every single episode of the riverside show either but some people did
1: (laughs) yeah and it's about as entertaining as credits
0: the thing is i got tagged in a anniversary post on saint patrick's day
1: oh yeah uh, i saw that
0: by STV footage sales who clearly had just gone through their library looked for something St. Patrick's Day related and found me (laughs) who was uh, presenting a live segment from Malone's Bar on Socky Hall Lane with arguably the worst haircut I've ever had in my life. Yeah. It was awful.
1: Yeah, it was one out of my
0: book. I don't understand why either one of the producers or me didn't stop and say Colin, you really need to get that mop sorted. What on earth is going on with the sideburns? It's not 1990 anymore.
1: Well, I think it is good to stand out in the crowd of copy-paste haircuts. <laughs> that's true. Certainly was standing out. And maybe that's why you landed the gig, right? You got the job <laughs> because you're. they were like, oh, which one do we like? And they tried to like name anything unique about anybody. And they're like, I guess like that one guy had hair that was different. Let's get him. That guy's got like an ice cream cone haircut. Yeah, let's, let's get him. He's got sideburns that
0: go nowhere. Great. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny as well is that in that segment an irishman at the very end is clearly just out of his face and swears on live tv Ooh. and i fumble over uh, an apology and it's it's funny just watching because at the time i remembered none of the people none of the producers on the show actually caught him swearing because he said it so quickly and with such a strong irish accent and mm-hmm. um, but yeah that it was that was not unsurprisingly the first time someone swore on live tv in a segment i was in
1: well, congrats to all of those who did. They managed to break a rule, and rules rules the rules that can be broken without actually harming anybody, I'm all for it. Okay, well. Like swearing on TV, who gets hurt by that? Like, no one. Old people. Like, you might have to explain to your children, don't say that word. <laughs> okay. But that's education, and I'm all for education too. So, do it. Okay, right. Well, from swearing
0: on TV to something much more serious. Yes. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk some actual news, James. Yeah.
1: Let's do the important stuff.
0: Okay. Let's start with last weekend's vigil to remember Sarah Everard. This was uh, a, a story which should have really just been about. Thousands of people gathering at Clapham Common to remember 33-year-old Sierra, who was kidnapped and murdered. Mm -hmm. But instead, it became a story about police detaining, uh, arresting women, and uh, the whole thing descending into chaos as pictures of officers kneeling on the backs of women, handcuffed women being removed from uh, the gathering and uh, then calls for various people to resign, and then a defence of the police's actions on the night. Yeah, yeah. So, James, this is continuing to, to roll on. I know at the time Boris Johnson said he was deeply concerned and various other people in government said uh, it was a, a travesty and they couldn't believe what was happening. What's your take on, on how this all unfolded and perhaps the avoidability of it all?
1: Uh, yeah, I think there's something to be said for if you're planning a vigil or a protest to do it in a pandemic manner, we've had enough time to plan these things accordingly. However, like any other protest or any other vigil or any gathering of these sorts, I believe it is somebody's right to do so. And to violently disperse it is pretty heavy handed. And it was pretty violent. And um, I think that Intentions are being good or lawful or not from the police. This was this was just a bad call. They possibly could have encouraged some form of distance in the gathering. Um, I don't really see why they were so worried. It's not like the vigil was going to get violent. It's not like the vigil was going to cause any destruction of, of, of stuff. It was peaceful. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the police escalated it and we've acclaimed we've given a, a claim to a uh, uk but uh, in particular scottish police for knowing about de-escalation and they clearly didn't practice that because they were practicing <laughs> some pretty clear escalation nothing would have happened okay if there wasn't this attempt to disperse people and an attempt to, to right. do well, it and the damage had been done dispersing them was going to make no difference they were already there they'd already gathered right yeah it doesn't you can't undo the gathering
0: so so just to give some more background to this before we discuss it further the the seeds for all this were sown prior to the vigil itself because the reclaim the streets organization had actually taken this to court to see if the vigil was was legal they were told first of all that actually if you gather together it's illegal but the the Momentum that this campaign was getting, and the fact that thousands of people, hundreds of thousands across the country, wanted to do something, uh, to hold a vigil, to light candles, to do all sorts, to to remember Sir Everard, it was going to happen. Yeah, that was that was the the fact. But the police then decided, well, this this demonstration. Is going to be illegal under the current lockdown regulations, and as we, we may find out later in the show, maybe forever. Protests right? of this, of protests of this kind, may be illegal forever, which is yeah quite a scary thought. But we'll get to that. So this then led to the inevitable, which was thousands of people gathering at Clapham Common. The police then turning up, and as you say, instead of de-escalating, actually yeah actively making it worse. You know, there were the footage I saw particularly at the, the bandstand, which was the the main gathering point, where you had all these women who were sitting there. And uh, one, second, one second, it was all fine, people sitting there. And then the next second, clearly a decision had been made to move in and to take over. And that's when the police started grabbing people by the arms yeah. and forcing them to the ground. Yeah. And we saw some uh, photographs of uh, women who were then, uh, one iconic one, Brown haired girl, red haired girl looking up at the camera whilst three officers essentially sit on her. Yeah. So, this was to me something which, if the police had decided to deal with it like they did the Rangers
1: fans in Glasgow a couple of weeks ago, then this
0: would have been entirely
1: avoidable. Well, especially because this gathering was far less destructive in nature. Well, precisely. It's, it's, It's huge. It's hugely telling, rather, seeing the difference between the way the police acted towards. A relatively violent and aggressive celebratory uh, gathering compared to one that was mourning. Yep, uh, a mass mourning. Um, now, yeah, sure. As we said, uh, this kind of gathering is currently illegal. If you don't want these things uh, to have this sort of response, you can plan things. They 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 tried to reframe it into a like a doorstep vigil. The organizers themselves, and um, but but it was too late, of course. And and like you're saying, once it's too late, there's nothing you can do. So the police's job surely is to like cooperate, try and help um make the situation as decent as they can. If something is deemed illegal but it's happening and it's not violent and it's not dangerous, the police are there should be there like shepherding the thing, helping it happen, okay. making sure nothing goes wrong. But what did they do? They made sure a lot of things went wrong.
0: Just just to give you my summary of thoughts this gathering was going to take place regardless of whether a court said it was legal or illegal or what the police thought of it. As you've talked about, this entire case surrounding Sarah Everard, which is horrific, the fact that, yes, she was kidnapped and murdered by a police officer. And that then palpable anger has been shared by thousands of people up and down the country. And so they've gathered to share that grief and to have this shared collective moment as a society Mm -hmm. and why on earth with that with all that background the police decided that this was the best way of dealing with it yeah is beyond me because okay yeah you may have felt that it was illegal and according to the laws set out about the covid restrictions yes it was illegal however was this the best tactics for this kind of gathering absolutely not no. The same was true, as you said, the same was true of the the Rangers fans at George Square. That was illegal. And instead of it, people holding candles or holding their phone lights up, they were actually just destroying memorial
1: benches. Yeah, and peering setting, statues and smashing benches. Setting
0: things on fire and
1: flares and all sorts.
0: And the police decided, you know what's the best I tactics think? here? Let's just take a step back and de-escalate wherever we can instead of making things worse, which is exactly what they
1: did here. They made it so much worse than it already was. Yeah, the, the, it's the backwards of it's the, it's the They've inverted their responses, and it's strange. And okay. Yeah, we're comparing two different forces with two different people in charge of them, if not more people making the decisions. Um, but still, we know that there is uh, a lack of accountability within UK police forces, uh, a lack of uh, self-investigation a lack of a means to fight back against them when there is injustice and all this stuff and yet we we see them still trying to take the high ground and say that they act a court appropriately just because they deem it is so
0: okay right moving on now seesaw (laughs) parade listeners welcome to a different time a different era we've
1: been transported into the future
0: we have finished recording the episode and several hours later before publication Uh a big story is broken And instead of doing what we usually do, which is just publishing it anyway, we've actually decided (laughs) to record something fresh and edit this into the earlier portion of the show.
1: Yeah, especially because it genuinely just eclipses whatever we had recorded. (laughs) Yep, yep.
0: So this is the news which has broken just in the last uh, few minutes, that a majority of MSPs on the Alex Salmond uh, committee have said that Nicola Sturgeon misled the inquiry. Yeah. Uh, the BBC understands that MSPs on the committee voted by five to four that Ms. Sturgeon gave them an inaccurate account of her government's handling of complaints against the former First Minister, Alex Hammond. Uh, the committee's final report is expected to be published next week. Yep. Uh, and uh, a spokesman for Ms. Sturgeon has insisted the First Minister did tell the truth. During her eight-hour evidence session, so James, yeah.
1: instant feedback. Yeah, yeah. This the, 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 the statement from the first minister's office or whatever uh, is a wee bit Trumpian. <laughs> it, it, it does come across a little bit like there's a conspiracy against me, um, and, and 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 Grant, and and this is far more of a of a thing than. I had expected it. Having heard the, her, all of her answers and all of her non-answers, I thought she was going to get away with it. It seemed like she'd ignored enough of the questions <laughs> that she couldn't have possibly misled anything she didn't say anything. However, um, this is pretty big. She's, she's only, her career as politician only hangs on by a technicality at this point. And just depending on the official uh, outcome, and then the outcome of the other inquiry, uh, we might see that technicality also get right. eroded.
0: So, so this other inquiry you've mentioned is is headed by the Irish lawyer James Hamilton, Aye. which is specifically investigating whether Miss Sturgeon's involvement in this whole saga. Uh, counts as a breach of ministerial code and that report is also expected exactly. in the the coming days this week. yeah so this whole mess which has been going on for quite some time we're now basically in the final stretch yeah. so Let's say, uh, as I say, this committee, is uh, the report's due to be published next week, but clearly the the findings have been, uh, or the votes have been decided so, already. Someone leaks them. Um, t- yeah. To me, I mean, this party is made up of four SNP, MSPs, a couple of Conservatives, uh, Labour, Lib Dem, and an Independent. If they voted 5-4... An ex-Green Independent. If they, yeah, if they voted 5-4, then it sounds to me like the SNP have backed their leader and the rest haven't. So Yeah, the rest were unconvinced. So there will be some argument made that people have just
1: voted along party lines here. Yeah. And that the opposition is all just out to get the, the leader. Yeah. Is that fair? It's it's as fair as the first minister's, like the first minister's saying this is as fair as everybody else saying the SNP are just voting in line with her, even though they don't believe her, right? Right. I'm not sure if we get to find out who voted what. It would be very interesting if it was actually one of the SNP folks who, who brought this into a majority that she uh, misled um although they still haven't said knowingly and apparently knowingly is the key word on, wh- on a, when it comes to misleading Parliament and misleading uh, the committee
0: so what then is the is the fallout of all this we've talked on the show before about how oh boy. <laughs> indeed about how politicians seem to be untouchable in terms of breaching ministerial code or misleading their uh, fellow politicians what is the outcome here? does she hang on or does she go?
1: As it stands, she's going to hang on for sure, at least until election has passed. Like damage control until then, and then maybe this whole debacle alongside all of the pandemic failures will, as we've said a lot of times in the past, be enough to convince her it's time to step down and let a fresh face take over without a tainted history, so to speak. But until... Uh, one of the reports comes back, one of the inquiries comes back and says that she knowingly did any of this. She's got that lifeline uh, to hold on to. Uh, and I don't know why you're asking me to predict things because uh, every single time I talk about it, I'm proven wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm, like, again, th- at the very least, all the opposition parties have another massive load of ammo yep. in the upcoming uh, elections because the, everybody from both sides of uh, this, the political uh, sphere can try to uh, use this to garner votes for themselves and get them away from an SMP. So at, at this point... I would already be surprised if we're seeing an SNP majority like like we've already seen.
0: Yeah, so a couple of points before we jump back in time and continue with the program as normal without any sort of mention of this. <laughs> uh, the, points, the points being that, as you say, I expect that this will actually lead to a, a dent. Yeah in SNP votes at the, the elections in May. I mean, those are only eight weeks away. Oh, yeah. So whilst I still expect the SNP to win a majority of seats, I don't think it's going to be this the landslides we've seen over the last 13 years. Yeah, they're going to have to have a coalition of some sort. The second point is about Nicola Sturgeon's position. Yeah. And I would say that with these publications of both reports, which by the time episode 243 rolls around will have been published, I would say that based on what we're hearing tonight, she should seriously consider taking a step back. Because because of this this entire saga has totally clouded. uh, It's that dark cloud which has followed her around for the last however many... Months and will continue to for the rest of her career. Yeah, and dealing with all of this whilst in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, I'm pff, weaker people than stronger people than me would have said. No, you know what? It's enough. enough enough's enough. Yeah, I'm sure if I was embroiled in something like this, I would probably also say, you know what? No, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. The the thing is, I don't think we will ever fully know what she knew no. what happened when we will we will never fully no. know only she knows that yeah so ultimately we're never going to get that justice of knowing the exact timeline of events yeah but regardless she will always have this hanging over her and it's a shame because she has led the country in some regards very well over the last she's t- had lots of success yeah indeed. over the last decade but i would say this Might be it. Yeah. That being said, we've seen Westminster politicians do the same or worse than this
1: over the last couple of years, and they're all
0: still in a job.
1: Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. So she might go down the Boris route of, I'm stronger than all the opposition. I'm just going to stick around and ignore this. She might. And I hope that she doesn't. I hope that right now where we are in this position where she's made mistakes, but not intentionally or not it's not been uh, decided that it was intentional. I hope that she keeps apologizing for those mistakes. Um, but if anything transfers into a, she knowingly misled or knowingly breached this or that, it has to be a resignation. But even with this chain of mistakes, and with pandemic, and with all the other bl- like blunders that people have been pointing out of- with the SNP over the last decade, they better start like ramping up the campaign for whoever her replacement is going to be. Because I, I've got no idea who's in line. And Hamza, there are names. There are names that look like they could be the next intended leader, but they really need to get that profile on the rise right now. Uh, because this, e- like as you say, even if this all uh, ends up being just a continuation of the of the status quo. This she doesn't last much longer. She's got to have the replacement in mind. Okay, let's uh, go back in time and pretend like nothing happened. My my goodness, this, sorry. This is awkward <laughs> for all of you. Have fun. Have fun with my editing. Oh boy, yeah. Sorry, Colin.
0: <laughs> okay, let's move on to the other major story from this week and this is the announcement of scotland's roots out of lockdown oh yeah yeah a bunch of dates on tuesday bunch of dates because we now have actual (laughs) dates instead of roughly months first minister Nicola sturgeon said that first of all hairdressers car showrooms garden centers will be able to reopen at the start of april and uh, moving moving through the uh, the weeks after that Uh, We'll be back into a tiered system once again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with uh, Scotland's islands down to level two by the end of uh, April and everywhere else in level three. And basically the long and short of it is that you can travel across Scotland from April 26th. And the long term goal is for Scotland to be at level zero by late June. This uh... This would mean the, the least... Onerous controls on movement, on shopping, on on mingling. Yeah. So stay at home becomes stay local as of next month, and then things just slowly reduce as we go towards the summer,
1: which was kind of expected. But now we have actual dates for it. We've got dates. And again, I hate that we're getting given dates instead of a target. If we had a target like rate of infection, I'd be I'd be happy. If we had target like numbers for like, uh, like infections per million i'd be i'd be happy but we've got dates again and i don't think the dates make much sense especially seeing as currently in scotland uh, we are still on a plateau of cases it, it hasn't gone down yep since we talked about this last week um so to see uh, a lack of uh, trend downwards and then to hear that hey we're going to be easing some stuff it's like well, why like wait until there's a downward trend at least don't just like stick a date on it and assume it's going to be fine so this feels ambitious with how much vaccination there is going on there, that is always a hope that it will make things easier but i know that even if we get to the like 80 percent of people have had their first jag i'm still not going out and about right i'm, I'm still just staying indoors even if we've got, even if even if we're supposed to be on like whatever's okay uh, level we're on where i'm allowed to do stuff i don't trust it at this point. Like I'm I'm waiting till I'm waiting till the majority of people have had their second dose of the vaccine.
0: As we've discussed before, I believe th- the dates are necessary because people as a whole want to have some sort of certainty about what's happening as opposed to just a, a vague yeah. unspecific time that things will be allowed to open because yeah. from the business's point of view they'll say right if if this is the target then what if we what if we what if we hit the target tomorrow yeah we got
1: like we got to get our supplies in so we can open up immediately
0: right what if we've got the highlands that are comfortably under that rate but glasgow isn't then we're just going back to tiers again and i know we've talked before about how particularly for the major cities if you're stuck into your 3 then it's you've got very little chance of getting out of that yeah so part of me understands it because you're giving people A date that they can circle on their calendar and move towards that it also helps the businesses particularly with supplies but i understand particularly when the rates in glasgow has actually gone up Mm -hmm. unsurprisingly Mm -hmm. because of the uh mass gatherings of uh, rangers fans and also as we've seen this week in kelvin grove park because the sun's come out sun's out people just people just decide that that gives them carte blanche to drink in a park I,
1: mean, I just like i just went to for a lie down on the floor beside my cat <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel more people need cats and just cats can infect us with their laziness <laughs> okay well
0: because of that the rate in glasgow has gone up and if you look at the the overall picture then glasgow is certainly yeah. up there leading the way with the likes of ayrshire and other places in the, the west coast so if you give people a date It gives them something to work towards, but I agree with you. It fails to take into consideration what the picture looks like once we get there. Yeah. You know, if we are still seeing 600 new infections a day in Glasgow, that's not going to work.
1: Yeah. No, even if we've got massive amounts of people vaccinated, we're still going to end up with piles of cases, and cases are life changing, which is bad.
0: Right, James, before we talk about what we've been watching this week, let's start with the Oscar nominations for 2021. Ah, a list of films I've not seen. So the uh, Academy Awards nominations were announced in LA. Uh, The virtual ceremony is taking place at the end of April. Brits did particularly well this year. Ah. There's a a lot of um, personal nominations for uh, the likes of Carrie Mulligan, uh, for promising young women, Vanessa Kirby for *Pieces of a Woman*. Riz Ahmed, who I believe is the first Muslim to get a, a Best Actor nomination, also British. Oh yeah. Anthony Hopkins got one. Gary Oldman got one. Uh, there's a whole host. Olivia Colman as well. Oh. Uh, oh. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, hey, this
1: is reminding me of a uh, big Oscars news. Uh, Stephen U N got um, a nomination. First Asian American, right, to get a Best Actor nod. He did indeed. For Minari, I did know some Oscars news. Oh, hey, <laughs> okay. Well, let,
0: let me just take you through some of these. Uh, first of all, as you say, James, the problem with this year's Oscars, in comparison to previous years, is that by the time we talk about the nominations, I usually would have seen most of them. Yeah. I look at the uh, I look at the Best Picture nominees here, which uh, this year there are eight, and I have currently seen two. Right. Yeah. And uh, and some of them are are simply Unavailable right now in the UK. You know, I actually looked for them, and they either are yet to have a release date, or they're yet to be put out on streaming services. So there's some which yeah. I will simply be unable to see unless there's a change of heart by several production houses. Uh, but let's—I'm uh, going to blur this in with some of my reviews of what I've been watching. So, for example, okay, okay, the uh, the leading uh, horse. For these nominations is the film Mank. I would love it if there was an Oscar for a leading horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Mank has uh, picked up ten nominations, right? Including best picture, uh, best actor for Gary Oldman, and best supporting actress for Amanda Seyfried. So and a bunch of other ones as well. I watched Mank. This past week because I had seen it done incredibly well, so let me just give you my thoughts on this, and to let you know if I recommend you watch it. Okay. This is the uh, this is David Fincher's latest film. Yeah. Uh, formerly the the Social Network and. Seven, and a bunch of other things. Yeah, people like
1: him and his stuff.
0: Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's uh, based on a script by his late father. As you've heard, it's got 10 Oscar nominations. So it's set in 1940, telling the story of Herman Mankiewicz, or Mank who is the writer behind Citizen Kane, Mm -hmm. worked with uh, a young Orson Welles and all the drama that comes along with that. So you've got uh, Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried uh, as the the leads. You've got Lily Collins, Charles Dance, lots of familiar faces. It's a very, very tough, dry movie. Okay. In in classic Fincher style, it's told in a non-linear flashback way. It's cutting back and forward. The whole thing is black and white. The sound has been edited to make it seem like it's a film that came out in the 1940s. So everything is this kind of warbled mono audio. Right. The only thing that tells you this is a modern film, well, besides the actors, is the fact that the camera moves. <laughs> the camera moves, and the, the the quality of the picture are obviously
1: markedly better. Right. Although, like, there were some real impressive camera moves way back in the day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so that is the only giveaway. Stylistically,
0: many of the scenes are punctuated by screenwriting instructions. So, for example, a scene will start and then a typewriter appears at the bottom and it says, interior, Mank's home, daytime. Right. And this is a thing it does throughout the film to okay. tell you where the film is going and what years you're currently watching. So, the performances in Mank, definitely the strongest part. Gary Oldman, as expected, is excellent. He last won for his portrayal of Churchill. In darkest hour a few a few years ago Aye. Uh, some of the ensemble cast scenes are as expected very sharply scripted this is a fincher film after all and occasionally funny <laughs> uh, soundtrack once again from trent Reznor and atticus ross it was recorded with only period authentic instruments which is also excellent production design costumes give them all the awards but my goodness this is not something you want to sit down and say, "Hey, let's chuck on this really enjoyable film," because an enjoyable film uh, is a stretch.
1: <laughs> it's that. It sounds stylish, though. Oh,
0: absolutely stylish, well acted, well written. But you know, keep the popcorn behind for this. You you really have to be awake. An alert, right? So like and
1: switched on. Sprinkle some caffeine into your popcorn.
0: Yeah, or or just like drink a lot of coffee and really. I think if you were a total cinephile, Ooh. you would love this. Right, right. But a cinephile I am not. I'm like twenty percent, so I might watch it. Okay. Uh, some of the other uh, nominations I mentioned: uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of the Chicago 7. He got a, a nod for Best Supporting Actor. I reviewed that a few months ago. It's also on Netflix. It's quite good fun. I don't think it will w- I remember
1: at the time I said, it won't win Best Picture.
0: I don't think it will. I don't think it should.
1: Uh, but it got a nod. Wait, you know what? Um, Lakeith Stanfield got a nod for Best Supporting Actor, right? He did I'd indeed, like him to win. yes. He's great. So, so this is one of the
0: movies which I am desperate to see. It's Judas and the Black Messiah, which is based... Uh, strangely enough on something i talked about on the show recently
1: yeah which was
0: the murder of fred hampton who was the uh, black panther party chairman in uh, illinois and the fact that the fbi essentially had an insider an informant in the black panthers who uh, which then led to fred hampton's murder mm-hmm. and as you say lakeith stanfield phenomenal actor as is daniel kaluuya both of them Nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Couple more things just before I pass over to you. Uh, The the most surprising slash most delightful nomination goes to Maria Bakalova for Borat, the sequel. Ah, yeah, good call though. Which is, the the thing is, (laughs) as much as the film was never going to win Best or be nominated for Best Picture, she's the best thing about it. So, well done. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure we will see her pop up over the years in various other films. Indeed, the last uh, the last movie I want to draw attention to before I ask you for any further thoughts or what you've been watching, I'm going to talk about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay, which is the <laughs> which is the uh, the film which is done again very well in the Oscars, best actress nomination for Viola Davis and best actor for the late great Chadwick Boseman. So this was the second of the the two Oscar movies I watched this week. It's also on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, It's 90 uh, 90 minutes long, so much more watchable. It's set in the 1920s. It focuses on a particularly turbulent recording session with the famous blues singer Ma Rainey. Right. And her song... Black Bottom. Yes. So this movie is the the second of August Wilson's plays to be uh, turned into a movie. You may remember Fences from a few years a right, few years yeah. ago. Yeah. Denzel Washington, Viola Davis again. Oh yeah. I believe both both nominated. So this is the second one of these. This film is filled with rage oh. and heart and genuinely some of the best performances of the year it's an homage to blues music to black culture and we need more
1: films or even just art like this indeed indeed it looks it looks really like i've seen very little of it but it looks very good okay so here's my
0: here's my first prediction viola davis will win best actress for this she is an absolute powerhouse from start to finish. She's phenomenal. Right. I love Viola Davis. Uh, she's menacing. She's a diva. She deserves all the awards. So please do give it to her. I'll try. The interesting thing about <laughs> thanks. The interesting thing about this is that the film is named after her song. But I would say she probably has the fifth most screen time. Oh. in the actual movie, because the lead character is uh, of course Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, so he's uh, incredibly charismatic he's transfixing as the the horn player levy uh made all the more tragic knowing of course this is this is his last film and the credits are, are mm-hmm. uh, the film is dedicated to him yeah so uh, similarly to fences you can see that this was originally a play and then they've transposed it to film and what i mean by that is the majority of the scenes are in one place
1: right 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 so right, right, right.
0: one scene which goes on for 15 minutes is in a rehearsal room and then another 10, 12-minute scene is in the recording studio. And the dialogue is basically taken from the stage. So it's razor-sharp dialogue. Um, but similarly to *Mank*, you do have to be switched on to take in a lot, particularly with the fast-paced conversations that take place between Bozeman and uh, the rest of his bandmates. So all in all, production design, costumes, performances, the story it's telling, the bigger picture stuff it's going for, this is a knockout. I would, I would uh, heartily recommend this i can see why it didn't get nominated for best picture because it basically is just a play except filmed okay uh, but viola should win best actress chadwick will probably win best actor mm-hmm. uh, not not just because of the posthumous ro- uh the posthumous rub that heath ledger got for example but also because this is actually a brilliant performance He's he's phenomenal
1: right 90 right, right, minutes
0: right. is well worth it I would uh, I would definitely add this to your list all right okay James I don't imagine you've seen any Oscars or any Oscar nominated I've got, films
1: I've got basically no thoughts on anything that you haven't already mentioned <laughs> okay. I don't think jo- my, my two little things that I said is about the the majority of what I've heard I'm pretty sure like Tenet got a got a nomination for something so well done I, I think it got uh, visual effects or well, sound design <laughs> well done for reviving cinema <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, yeah, I've got a couple. There's a couple more on that list which are currently on uh, Amazon Prime, and uh, maybe Netflix as well. So I should have a couple more next week. All right, ahead of the uh, the ceremony on April 25th. <sighs> right, James. Let, let's. Uh, this is blended nicely into what we've been watching. So I'll hand over to you.
1: Anything you have finished this week? I finished an anime, Colin. Hey, what was it? Was it good? It's Samurai Champloo, um, and it is one of the classics. In, in terms of anime, if you if, what do you mean by classic? It, it, as in, it's one of the one of the older shows. where if somebody's asking for the first time, hey, what anime should I watch? This might be one of the recommendations. It's uh, it's so well known and so well loved by the people who have seen it. Um, I've been meaning to watch it for a very 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 long time. It reappeared on my Netflix, and I started watching it. I would I would sit and watch three four episodes a session. And then I I reached the the final three and I couldn't watch them. What? What do you mean? Uh, I I just couldn't I couldn't bring myself to finish the show because I knew it was done after this. They haven't like done another season. This show is done and I I couldn't bring myself to not have more to look forward to. I spent like two months trying to convince myself that it was the a good time to to finish the show and that I could deal with that yearning oh, okay. for more that would right. that would come afterwards. Um. So um, I'll, I'll, let me do briefly some notes that, that I've like. The first half of the show is excellent. Sets the tone, uh, sets the style, sets the characters, sets the humor s- and the music, which by the way, the soundtrack was was a bit of a, a bit of a uh, out of left field thing. Um, and it's something that the director of the show or the producers are, are known for. Okay. Um. And everything is so well defined and they set the rules of the universe. They show you what rules can be broken. They show you that the story is a little bit meta and a little bit, um like hand of god stuff um and then it gets better we get to like a middle episode i think it's episode 11 and the show just has an episode of absolute real uh realness real character proper depth okay uh real connection and one of the characters you see a whole other side to them um so the show is usually like episodic, one or two episodes maybe three dealing with a situation. And the situations are usually a bit goofy and a bit of a joke, but they need to be dealt with with like violence and sword fights. Okay. Um this 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 episode just presents you with a very real problem that one of the characters is desperate to help fix. And 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 it, and it made me invested in the character and in the whole uh, series. All the more. Cool. The fights, as I was saying, are are always incredible. The amount of artwork and artistry that they're putting into all the moves, uh, the defined fighting styles of the different characters, their strengths and weaknesses, their progression, their subtle progression as they learn how to deal with stronger and stronger opponents as the show goes on. Um, Occasionally, and by occasionally, I mean almost every single major plot point, they survive a pretty catastrophic thing pretty easily they just like i'm like oh that okay i can't believe they killed off like one of the main characters and it's just like oh no they're not dead (laughs) at one point i thought hey i thought this show had more episodes than this because i thought they just ended the show with like an absolute out of the blue ending okay um and i thought i knew that that i thought that it was done even though i knew that there was more episodes i thought what on earth is the rest just like flashbacks um so there's a lot of that kind of like tv-esque jokey hand of god plot lines um, so there's miracles and little random bits and bobs, uh, uh, but it is all something that you're promised is going to happen from the get go, right from the start. The show tells you, don't take it too seriously, enjoy it. Um, this is a bit random, a bit coin flippy. Um, the bad guys are going to be stylish, um, but immediately you can you can delete them from your memory. The good guys are are who you care about. Okay. Um, but when you get that promise. And you let it settle and the, the, the show then delivers far more than that Um, it takes that kind of casual um pl- episodic feel and then adds to it and gives you a reward above that so this is something that i'm going to be able to watch again it won't satisfy the need for more um and this is the second thing there's so there's the, the studio and the dude and the people behind this uh delivered several times a show like this. Another iconic one they did was Cowboy Bebop. Great name. um, Which for similar reasons is is iconic uh, and has a cult following. Um, So overall, please watch Samurai Champloo. I'm just sad I waited so long.
0: Okay, well, dear listener, if you have watched, finished a TV show, a movie, a play, a book, had a good meal, then of course you can send us a review like ML has done this week. Oh. You can email them, seesawparade at gmail.com, or you can send them to us directly if you are our friends, which all of you should be. <laughs> please, please be our friends. Okay, here is a review of every James Bond film from a Amel. All
2: right. Hello, Seasaw Parade. It's me again. Hello. Uh, reviewing some more films, but this time with quite a unique take on my reviews. Basically, <laughs> my husband and I have been watching through the Bond films, and... Uh-huh the review to surmise is basically the film did i fall asleep during it or did i stay awake for it and we'll start with sean connery's seven bond films and really quite a quick summary i fell asleep during them all we move on to roger moore who also had seven bond films and unfortunately again i fell asleep during them all Then we move on to Timothy Dalton, who is a bit of a left-field Bond, I understand, and Uh uh he did three Bond films. I stayed awake during one of them, Living Daylights. So if you're going to pick one of his to watch, maybe that one. Then we move on to Pierce Brosnan, of course, who had four Bond films. Again, I stayed awake for one of those, Die Another Day. So that obviously was a bit more interesting. And then, of course, mm-hmm. onto to the, the Daniel Craig numbers, which are markedly better than the rest. Uh, he has four, I believe, released so far. I stayed awake for two. <laughs> Spectre wow. and Quantum of Solace. So he, he really got Wait. 50% of his films awake. So Hang on. he's the obvious winner. So anyway, just to say... If you want a Bond recommendation based on the sort of plot and characters and the rest of it, I can't help you because I didn't see most of them. If you want to know whether it was interesting enough to keep me awake or not, then um, take my hints on board.
0: Okay, so first first things first, great review, but yeah. second of all, the two Daniel Craig films you stayed awake for, Spectre and Quantum the of Solace, ones. they're the worst
1: ones. Like I was all for the the, the, the the did I fall asleep review system great rating system but I almost fell asleep for those
0: two that's that is the only thing I would ask ML which is Casino Royale which is uh, and Skyfall which are considered two of the best James
1: Bond films in existence you fell asleep during those and you stayed awake for Quantum of Solace at what point at what point did you fall asleep cuz like to be fair uh, Casino Royale does take its time in the middle well,
0: it, it does when they're playing poker for yeah. a long time in a montage yeah.
1: sequence yeah. but it's still very good mm-hmm.
0: but anyway no, I, I thought you'd enjoy that rating system <laughs>
1: oh, I, loved the, I loved the review system I give that review system <laughs> uh, uh, a 5 out of 5
0: well I'm going to say I gave that the rating system a, I stayed awake for it rating so thank you
1: I did I did stay awake for it
0: if you want to inv- invent your own rating system you can do the same James I've got one more movie to review it's going to be very short and sweet I watched Zoolander, or rather myself and Graham watched uh, <laughs> Zoolander, because he had never seen it. Right. And I would I would say the last time I saw it was easily a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was watching it essentially with fresh eyes. My goodness, this film has aged badly. Very, very mm-hmm. badly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, the thing is, I... St- <laughs> I still enjoy the, the... The film Is has got some good lines. That is what I would say. It does have some good some lines. Some iconic lines, some iconic characters. Uh, Mugatu is one of my all-time favourite comedy characters. He's Will Ferrell is genuinely excellent as that. Right. Uh, and, and Ben Stiller does uh, his... Uh, and Owen Wilson, they all play their parts very, very well. Mm-hmm. And it is, because of that, why it became a, a cult film and then got a, a sequel that nobody asked for 15 years later. Yeah. The main thing is that this film has... Essentially sexual assault on camera. There's one one scene in which uh, Ben Stiller's agent halts a conversation to shout, Tushy squeeze! And then the camera cuts and he grabs a 20 year old something woman's ass yeah and then it cuts back to the conversation it's incredibly uncomfortable to watch
1: yeah uh, yeah and that's the kind of joke where you're not really sure what they're making fun I, of. yeah I
0: d- and the thing is which
1: means there probably aren't
0: right so so the thing is it's like is that meant to be some sort of like deprecating uh or parody
1: i don't know comment yeah are they mocking agents and predatory and predatory people I don't feel like no, they were
0: <laughs> because because the rest of the time that that guy is portrayed as like a sympathetic character who's been roped into something unwittingly. Yeah. If they were trying to make him some sort of evil terrible person, it would have been much more obvious. So yeah. so there's there's that. There's a couple of instances of blackface which yeah. Are are the kind of ones which are borderline. It's not like hey, we're making fun of black people. It's uh, hey, watch this great disguise I can get into. And then the next scene is a black guy, and then he rubs off some of his makeup, yeah. and he's Ben Stiller, and the rest of his face is black.
1: Yeah, but it's so. it's, so it's like in terms of Ben Stiller and, and blackface related to him, it's not at the Tropic Thunder level of like I suppose we can get away with it right. still, um, but it's quite. It's far more questionable.
0: So, so the thing with Tropic Thunder because I see people, particularly younger people, coming after Robert Downey Jr. for this all the time. Yeah. Tropic Thunder is the the is the blackface which i don't really know how to phrase this you can do or you can get away with because it was parody
1: it's making fun of the act itself it's the same thing as they did in it's always sunny
0: right so it's making fun of actors who are so into their method acting that they will just do things which are completely inappropriate because they believe that's what the story dictates
1: yeah and it's also making fun of the age-old hollywood tradition of Blackface, just getting white actors to play... Black characters. ...roles that... that, Yeah, black characters or or other other ethnicities.
0: Which which is exactly what Tropic Thunder was all about. Whereas Zoolander, whilst it has the elements of we're making fun of the modelling industry, it is not set out to be a parody. It's set out to be, first and foremost, a comedy. So there's a couple of things which... You did not see in the sequel because, you know, in 2001 when this film was released, it was it was perfectly fine to do that. Yeah. No one raised an eyebrow. Yeah. Whereas if you do that in the sequel, which they didn't, that's because times have changed. So, as I say, it does have some some funny moments. A lot of the jokes eh, don't really land anymore. And there's some questionable aspects of it. Even the fact that Vince Vaughn doesn't even get a single line of dialogue. Poor Vince. Oh, poor.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I feel for him sometimes, but, you know. Yeah, it, Hollywood happens. Okay,
0: James, we've got one trailer before we uh, head into our final stretch here. It is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, yeah! Because, dear listener, if you are big into your world of superheroes, particularly the DC kind, so that is Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and the, the Flash, and Cyborg, who often gets <laughs> forgotten like I just did.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't this don't, forget, was, don't um, forget Cyborg.
0: This was essentially... After Justice League came out in, I want to say 2015, which was the insipid, grey, boring version of the Avengers, mm-hmm. except with all the DC superheroes. Yeah. Th- this sort of fan movement started c- crying out for this Zack Snyder, Snyder version, the Snyder cut. Yeah. Which was, according to the fans, a, a much better, fuller film that was hiding underneath uh, the rushed exterior of uh, the Joss Whedon edit. So if you cast your minds back, uh, during the post-production of Justice League, Zack Snyder's daughter took her own life and yeah. he had to leave the film. So Joss Whedon took over and hence it became a hodgepodge mis- mishmash of r- nonsense. So 6 years later here we are. 4 hour movie/TV series is here and here's a trailer.
1: I've never seen a being as strong. Maybe one. He's back. I spent a lot of time trying to
0: divide us. I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together.
1: There are enemies coming from far away. I, I I started watching the trailer and then I stopped watching the trailer. <laughs> okay, well that makes two of us. Yeah, James.
0: To me, this is the this is what happens when studios cave to what fans want, R- right? As opposed to what they decide is actually best. Because to me, Justice League was something which they could have just left well enough
1: alone. But it, it, it sucks. It was a bad movie. But they should, they should have they should have tried to forget about it for sure.
0: Right. Right. But instead they've come back to something which again was released almost what, over half a decade ago. Yeah. Re-released it with some added stuff,
1: some new scenes, some new characters, some new Some strange CG characters.
0: Yeah, CG characters. It's slightly improved CGI for Steppenwolf.
1: Yeah. But, but that's it. But you know what, Colin? Over the past week I have softened my ex my my initial reactions to this re recut and re-release. Okay why cuz i've 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 seen the statistics and i've seen the the stories about just how much of the film Whedon did reshoots off and re-edits off and replacements off uh-huh. that g- genuinely i'm pretty convinced that this is is less of a re a, a recut and more of an actual release so it might still be rubbish it might still be it might still be absolute garble. but It it will be the film that was meant to be made, because Whedon was like reshooting and removing loads of stuff. He was. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what this stat was, but someone's saying that we've got into like this single, like the twenty, the twenty to thirty minutes of original footage was actually in the in the Whedon cut. It was aside from that, it was all reshoots and re edits.
0: So will you be watching it?
1: No. (laughs) However. (laughs) I don't think the fans are gonna be disappointed. I think No. The studio has caved and spent a lot of money redoing this they and they might struggle to make that back, but I think the people that were asking for the recut and were asking for the the Snyder edit are actually gonna be happy.
0: Right, James, three more stories to take us home. The first one being the UK is reversing its plans to reduce its
1: stockpile of nuclear yeah. weapons. And I just wasn't feeling secure enough. <laughs> well, am I glad we can blow up the world even harder? Yeah, it's part
0: of a foreign policy overhaul, which means that the uh, the cap on the number of warheads the UK has will now increase to 260. Oh so
1: hypocritical. Which
0: was... It was due to uh, to drop down to 180 under previous plans. And uh, the UK is also shifting its focus on trade towards Indo-Pacific countries. So India, China, Australia, which they're describing as the world's growth engine. Yeah, just, just around the corner. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so James, uh, let's just talk about the fact that, yeah, the UK has decided to go back on its plans to reduce
1: the number of world-destroying weapons it has and actually get more of them. It's... It's only going to make other countries that have none want more. <laughs> so let me ask, why have they decided to do this? I don't know. I genuinely <laughs> do not see any logic in the decision. We've got far more than we need. Any country that has any has far more than they need. And all of these countries that ha- that have them, just the act of having them is going to make other countries want them. right? If nuclear weapons are so good, for security and peace. Then why don't we just like give a couple to every single country? Right? We've got enough to like donate a, one or two to the majority of the European countries that don't have any. Let's just give them some. They're so they're so peaceful. If you can
0: convince Russia and the US who between them have almost or sorry, over 12,000 nuclear warheads to share some,
1: then great. Yeah, yeah. Great. And I love it. But then we're all like trying to slap Iran for maybe wanting to make some. And then we decide that we are just going to have more. Right. How can we complain about any country wanting to have some if we're going to want to increase the amount that we have already? It doesn't make any sense. But no, I I think the logic, the real true logic of it is that the Tory party have realised that they need to reframe themselves and become the party of police and the party of security uh, rather than the party of fiscal responsibility because they've pro- <laughs> they've kind of proven that they can't do that one.
0: <laughs> OK, well, well, we'll get to the uh, police aspect in just a second. Uh, let's talk about AstraZeneca. This uh, is the news that over the past week, over a dozen European countries have decided to stop using or suspend use of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine over safety concerns. This was uh, due to the fact that 40 people in around 17 million had uh, experienced blood clotting in uh, in the aftermath of of getting the vaccine. Uh, And so we've seen the likes of Denmark, Norway, Iceland, uh, France, uh, Germany, others, all suspend this use. And this is uh, in the midst of the fact that the EU is really struggling Indeed. with its vaccine rollout.
1: But the f- as far as I'm aware, they're just suspending it as a bit of a reactionary thing rather than a legitimate concern because the, the occurrence of blood clotting is not actually different from just yep. normal amounts of people. right? <laughs> the the blood clots per million is 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 about on track with the average so it's just another hurdle for the EU and their uh, pretty bodged vaccination program.
0: A couple of things here. The first one was this reactionary. Absolutely, I believe Denmark were the first to do this, and then after that, its Nordic neighbours followed suit, and then more and more people across the continent decided that yes, they all suspend it too because everyone else is doing it. Yeah. And if you know if they're not seen yeah. to be doing it, then you know are they? just blazingly carrying on without even considering the consequences. So yeah, I can see why they've done that. But as you say, yeah. this is, I mean, it, read the p- potential side effects of taking paracetamol. It also includes blood clots. It mm-hmm. also includes many other bad things, but people still take it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the UK and people in the UK seem to be particularly unbothered by the story. Uh, and yeah, I mean, <sighs> I'm no medical expert, put that in my twitter bio but this seems to be like pretty par for the course
1: yeah and it's not like the vaccines are going to go off date while they while they wait um they, they're just going to be stockpiled and then once enough tests and have been redone and they'll they'll go back into circulation however let's do the the primary hope is that th- this is just a thing and it's just blood clots that are occurring naturally nothing to do with the vaccine right hope part two is that If there is a batch out there that is causing blood clots, they have caught it early. And they have set it aside for testing. I don't want them to be wrong. If, if if they have a legitimate reason here. I don't want them to just like immediately rush out back to using them if there is genuinely a bad batch. Like I, I I appreciate that even though there's this huge amount of pressure for successful vaccine programs that they are taking the time to be like a little cautious.
0: Okay, we'll link to this uh, penultimate story this week. Uh, the news this afternoon is that the UK will be experiencing some delays to its vaccine supply in April. Matt Hancock has uh, told MPs that whilst there will be no impact on the planned easing of restrictions, around half a million vaccines are uh, delayed coming from India and a separate 1.7 million doses need to be retested as well NHS England had uh, warned of a reduction in supply in a letter which was sent out to local he- health boards across the country on Wednesday
1: Yep yeah. um and uh, initially everybody thought that it was the EU being all protection-y again but it's just it's just supply issues um and it, this is this is to be expected when you've got massive amounts of global production on anything is that there will be problems. It's it's the UK's turn to face the problems. But again, we're still way ahead of the curve. Um, there are other countries who are still getting like single figures vaccines per day. So it's all right.
0: Okay, our final story is about a couple of bills which have been passed uh, across Britain this week. The first one being the hate crime bill, the controversial bill in Scotland, which passed... Uh, despite uh, various rows and MSPs asking for amendments to be made and changes uh, to the legislation. And then Boris Johnson and his pals went and did one better. And As we said at the start of the show, uh, have introduced a legislation, (laughs) the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill, clearing its first parliamentary hurdle, which would mean things like if a protest is noisy or if, if they just don't like it, then, if it's just an annoyance. then they can shut it down and they can prosecute people.
1: Yeah, and we've got we've got MPs themselves saying that they're happy about this because they're getting bothered by protests outside their windows. And it's like, that's the point of protests <laughs> and protests are one of our rights. Can we please not try and take away those? Yep.
0: so so the, uh, the Tories all voted uh, for this and because they have a majority yeah, so in Westminster, region. it has passed its first reading. Now, there is still a long way to go yeah. before it becomes law and I'm sure there will be uh, various hurdles to get through, but this uh, James is uh, the, concern. The,
1: yeah, Tories being authoritarian isn't news to either of us, I am sure, or the majority of informed people. Um, it, it's the blanket lack of transparent reporting on this, right, from the media in general. Like the response to this should be that the party in charge of the nation right now is currently trying to silence you from like expressing disappointment in the final way that you can if voting doesn't end up going well the only thing we've got left is our voice and that is collective so they're trying to take away the collective part of that um and there should be outroar. there should be rage in the media at this but there's barely anything there's just like hey i guess they kind of passed it but maybe it'll be like maybe it'll be amended a little bit and it's gonna be okay Whereas if you look at the way the the, um, legislation in Scotland about hate speech is getting reported on, it's like it's the final hurrah for freedom of speech thanks to the SNP, even though it had cross-party support. It did, after several amendments. Just on the... uh, After several amendments, exactly. On the Westminster front, I believe it was
0: David Lammy, the uh, Labour MP, who said... Uh, the truth is the government is introducing these measures because it dislikes Black Lives Matter. It hates Extinction Rebellion yeah. because both tell them too many hard truths. Yeah. And
1: I thought, yep, sounds about right. Yeah, any, It's just dictatorial. It's genuinely authoritarian. The only people who would want to silence protest are people who want to put their fingers in their ears and close their Correct. eyes and pretend that nothing's wrong with what they're doing. There is no legitimate reason to try and limit... the the people's ability to annoy the government, (laughs) right? Come on. Um, So there's massive problems with the protest bill. And that wasn't even the only thing in there that was wrong. We're seeing all sorts, and beyond even that, we're seeing all sorts of moves by the Tory party to introduce massive changes in, in the way we are policed as a population. And it's way overreaching. And we better see some pushback I, I wouldn't, I, like, I expect the Lords at the very least are going to push back because as much as they need reformed, they still do uphold more things currently than the Tory party does. And, and I'd also like to add that even though I'm trying to suggest that the hate crime bill in Scotland is, is less bad, I still don't like it. There are some ways that, there are some sections of the of the hate crime bill in Scotland that are worded very loosely I'm so open to interpretation that I don't trust the courts right. to, to to abide by uh, the law because they will take it too literally almost, as they have done before.
0: Th- there was some parts of this uh, bill, I'm unsure, I'm unable to point to which parts, in which I believe the Law Society of Scotland said the threshold for prosecution was far too low. Yeah. And either it was going to be we prosecute nobody or we prosecute everybody. Basically, yeah. So it, it may then become, as part of this bill, was to abolish the blasphemy law, which uh, meant that blasphemy in public was a prosecutable offence. But of course, no one had been uh, taken to court for this for almost two hundred years. So they removed it. Yeah. So
1: is this just? So the, yeah. Something so gonna a be, risk. It's going to
0: be something similar. Yeah,
1: there's a risk that hate crimes aren't going to be prosecuted because if we prosecute some of them, it's going to we're going to have to do everything. Right. So so um, yeah, you're right. It's too vague. And similarly, it's like they're not really defining what is okay to say um like what is offensive for and the the like if offensive things are hate or if an offensive joke is a joke or if context makes any difference to statements and things like that. Like overall the bill's goal is pretty good. It is if you are deliberately trying to build up hate towards a protected group you get prosecuted. Right. But the the way they define a few things is just a little too loose to trust the current Scottish legal system, which already does punish some people for doing things that I don't think are criminal. Yeah, and it's just one final point before we wrap up.
0: It's the kind of thing where I'm unsure where, for example, my dad, who would say that marriage should only be for man and a woman, yeah. where a view like that sits with this bill because Exactly. Should my dad or other people who have that belief um be prosecuted for that? Absolutely not. But I don't know what that bill says. Like d- does it mean that if they say it in a particular tone to a particular group of people in a certain way? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what what is the what is the line where you say okay, that's an opinion or that's your belief, but no, that's a crime?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I honestly don't know. Yeah, the blurry line between an opinion and crime is is worrying. I'm not worried for my sake. I'm not worried for like your sake. Yeah. Uh, But it is concerning, especially since we've seen things like a tweet getting somebody in in jail and things like that um, in recent days. Or a dog who Nazi saluted. Yeah, exactly. However, to push back on another line of talk that I've seen about this, this is not cancel culture. Can we stop trying to blame everything on, like, Twitter? (laughs) This is yet more, like, almost authoritarian government trying to, like put things into law to make being a criminal easier, right? This has got nothing to do with Twitter or cancel culture or anything. I've seen this pushback against it as though it's like left-leaning cancel culture. If people think the SNP or this bill is left-leaning, they are blind. I know for a fact there are left-leaning organizations that are begging for more amendments. I know that there are... like a religious organization's begging for amendments. Generally, across the board, this is just seen as something that a government is doing without really enough support Uh, over the nitty gritty
0: well not sure we know it's time to end the show James it's been another belter of an episode thank you very much for your time Uh, dear listener if you would like to get in touch to discuss or comment on anything we've talked about you can do at CeaseOperate on Twitter join that conversation join the cancel culture or you can email us ceaseoperate at gmail.com James thank you very much I'll see you at some point next week
1: Uh, yeah absolutely thank you everybody for listening please uh, please don't be hateful even though you might not think it's a crime.
0: Just be nice. It's much easier. It's easy peasy. We don't have to like tell people they're gonna jail for it. Just be nice.